As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Welcome into the Can't Wait podcast. I'm Marissa Dunn, stepping in the host chair today for the great Tim McMaster. We're going to answer all of your Jets offseason questions ahead of training camp. And as always, we're joined by the one and only Connor Hughes. Connor, anything new lately? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm excited. The to weather's be been on. great, right? You know, yeah, yeah the weather. weather's been great. Yeah, it's been fun. Like I, I was kind of, you know, it was funny. Like when we did this podcast the uh, the last time we were talking about you know, going on on going on vacation. Obviously, like you and Tim knew. Like I I had talked to you and Tim about it uh, early on. Actually, when when I started kind of getting recruited, you know, way back in when. Case, and, wait, in case anyone has lived under a rock, unfortunately. Oh, I'm leaving. Yeah, unfortunately, leaving us at the athletic. Very, yeah. very sad, but obviously excited for his next opportunity, which he cannot yes. announce yet, but eventually will. So continue. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, you you guys knew. So it was, you guys knew it was just kind of waiting to it, waiting for the the green light from them to be like, okay, you can announce now you're leaving. You know, obviously I had to wait for my contract to formally expire with, with the athletic, which happened on June 30th. And they, they're great. You know, I, I told them, you know, my, my new deal elsewhere doesn't start until August 1st. Um, so I told the athletic, if they want, I'll, I'll keep working through July for them. That's no problem with me. Keep doing this podcast, keep writing stories and, until, you know, the end of July. And, and so they, they were awesome. They said, absolutely. We'd love to have you do that. So it was kind of like a weird thing though, where I couldn't say, Hey, I'm leaving while I was still under contract. So I had to wait for that contract to expire, which happened. I think it was like right before, as I was leaving, um, for Italy or, or right when I got back from Italy or, or I forget how the yeah, time right when out, you got but... back, you didn't, you didn't, um, share that you were going to like make the announcement and like, warn. I wanted to surprise you, know? you guys. Cause I yeah. tagged, you know what I was pissed about is I didn't have the photo of us when we did our, our live broadcast. I completely forgot we took that shot. So like, I yes. know like, all right, like I was kind of like, Oh my God, what should I do? So I found the picture of all of us at, from an old combine, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I don't, th- I think I, I, I can honestly say that these last five years, and I wrote this when when I kind of said I was leaving, these last five years at the athletic have been the best of my professional career. I mean, there is there is no denying that. There's no point in mincing those words. I mean, I I I remember when in 2018 it was, you know, I kind of heard about the athletic starting and, and we were all kind of talked about it when at the time I was with the Star Ledger and it was like, hey, there's this new company coming, this new company coming. And and Paul, 
uh, Fitch and bomb kind of slid into my DMS, if you will, and, and said, Hey, Connor, you know, I just kind of want to talk to you about, you know, I just wanted to, to, to talk to you for a little bit about the jet speed. And then also kind of talk to you a little bit about the athletics. So I was like, sure. You know, you always take a phone call when you want. And you know, that, that phone call turned into a lunch, but turned into a dinner and, and he was, um, incredibly persuasive. And he was, as I said, hell bent in his belief of what the athletic could become. And at the end of our conversations, I remember talking to Bree and saying, look, I don't know what the athletic is. I'm very nervous about going to a startup, but this sure seems like it's going to be a hell of a place to work. And I signed on way back when, and over the last five years, this company has become everything and more than what Paul said it was going to be all those years later. I mean, it was a place that's about the story, not the clickbait. You know, it's given me a chance to cultivate my sources and and build my sources and build my following and and build a brand, if you will, and expand in so many different avenues and become a better reporter and become a better writer and, and start a podcast and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people kind of saw the, the number of us leave at the time at The Athletic. And we're like, oh, my God, The Athletic's in turmoil. Oh, my God. All of, no, it's all of our NFL contracts are synced up. So everyone's NFL, everyone who writes about the NFL, our contracts all expire at the same time. So if you are leaving for another venture, you're leaving at the same time as everyone else because you're all leaving. That's when your contract expires. And, you know, I, I it's I'm, I'm very gracious that I'm, I'm kind of making my decision to leave. The Athletic made me a super generous offer to return to them. And it was something that if this next opportunity, which I very much look forward to announcing soon, had not come up. I mean, this is the only thing that I ever would have left The Athletic for. I wasn't going to go to the Daily News from The Athletic. I wasn't going to go to the New York Post from The but Athletic. You're basically I, like, come on, you can't you can't release all these spoilers. <laughs> eliminating all. Yeah. Eliminating yeah. everyone else. And I said, hey, this is where I'm going. But no, um. <laughs> You know, I was never going to leave to go be a Jets beat writer anywhere else because truthfully, I absolutely loved it here. And this next opportunity that's coming up was just one that I could not turn down. It was one that, you know, is is a a dream, if you will. I mean, it's one that if you would have told Connor when he was eight years old that, hey, this is what you're going to be doing at 30, I would have been like, holy hell, where the hell do I sign up? And, you know, I, I told Lisa that when when I talked to her, I told Allison that my my direct editor when I talked to her and and. You know, I will say that, and we're we're going to talk a ton about this when Tim gets back, and and we can do the you know the, our final podcast together. But the one that that when the offer came in and the final contract came in, and I'm looking at it, and you're looking at the numbers, and you're mapping out your next four years and all that stuff, and I'm looking at the paper, and I'm I'm with their Bree with Bree getting ready to sign it, and the one thing that I kept going back to was like, damn, the Can't Wait podcast because. This is like the one, this is the one thing that like, I've loved working at the athletic, but this next opportunity, I can't wait to go to, you know what I mean? Like, I can't wait to go and do that. The one thing that like, I am legitimately upset. And I know like, I'm probably going to cry on like the last podcast, but like legitimately upset, legitimately don't want to leave. You know what I mean? The one thing that's making the one, butt in everything is this podcast and this show, because I mean, look, when I remember when when I was approached who and I don't even remember who approached me about it. He probably doesn't even work here anymore. But he sent a, sent me a DM on Slack about like, hey, do you want to do a podcast? Right. Like you want to you want to join a podcast. You want to do a podcast. And, and I remember Connor's the like first talking. Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, I haven't done radio in a while, but like I'd like to actually get back into that. However, and my big butt was like, I don't I've said this before. I don't want to do it alone. That's what I said. I was like, whatever you do. For this show, I just don't want to be alone. It's not going to be fun if I'm just sitting in front of a camera or a mic and talking for 40 minutes about the Jets. I want somebody. And they said, don't worry. We've got a co-host we think who's going to be great to work with you. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, well, again, I don't really want to like, I was like, I'm, I'm doing this job. Like if 
this is like the business part of it. But it was like, if you're not going to pay me anymore, like, I don't want to like have to worry about publishing this and all that. They're like, no, 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 you've got a producer too. And I'm like, man, I've got a producer and a co-host. There's like, well, I, I hope I hit it off with them. And then I meet you and I meet Tim. And I think what's been so amazing. And again, it's, it's what's so hard to let go is like, we created this show from nothing. And to look at the number of subscribers that we have on YouTube, to look at the number of views that we get per episode, where back when we started, we were having like 300 and 400 people listen to the audio version. And now we're getting thousands and thousands and thousands of people listen to it on YouTube and another four, five, 6,000 people downloaded on Apple. And looking at these episodes and seeing between visually and audio, having 15,000 people, 15,000 different people listen to you, me and Tim talk about the Jets for an hour once a week or twice a week. It's been the baby that you've watched growing up. And we, you know, we haven't had a promotional budget at any point in time. We haven't had money that we've been able to just dump into this, whether it was the, the going, the, the video broadcast on YouTube, that was our brainchild. You know what I mean? The, the doing it, doing different aspects of the show when we were taking callers, that was our brainchild. Everything that's happened to the show and the growth has been the three of us and the work, you know, the blood, sweat and tears we put into it and the community that we've built. And I think that's, what's been the, the coolest part is walking the jet sideline during training camp and having people say, I love the show. Love the can't wait podcast. Where's Tim? Where's Marissa? During training camp, people I don't know talking about the podcast, knowing they watch and they listen, loyal listeners, if you will. And to have to leave that is, or I mean, I'm already dreading that last episode because I know the waterworks are going to be there. I know I'm going to miss, well, obviously I'm not going to, you know, you guys are literally pinned to the, you know, one of my, my premiere, you know, literally like you can. Yeah, I, I, I think our right there, top, top, top right. It's, it's the can't wait podcast. So it's our yeah. little show is pinned for me. Like it's. It's going to be, I know we're going to stay friends. It's like, I'm going to stop talking to you guys all the time, but to not have like this. Yeah. Every who's going to wake you up in the morning? Chats, I, mean, I don't know. That's going to be the problem. I have no idea. Trip, who's going to say like, Connor, did you bring pants? I don't know. <laughs> yes. It's going to be brutal. And, and that's what's, I mean, I know like where I'm going, they're going to want me to do a podcast there and, and it's going to be fun and stuff, but it's just going to be, it's not going to be the same because the Can't Wait show isn't me talking about the Jets. The Can't Wait show isn't you producing. It's not Tim co-hosting. It's the three of us. You know, I genuinely do believe that. Like what we've created here on this show over the last three years, right? As long as we've been doing this over the last three years, it's been the yeah. three of us collectively. And I think people like this show, except for the trolls who say they don't, but still listen to every minute of it. Everyone who loves this show, I think, loves it for the three of us. And and I know you guys are going to have a hell of a person replace me. I know a couple of the people you're interviewing, and I, I can't wait to introduce them. Hopefully, I'll still be able to. Maybe that last show, we'll be able to bring the person on that you guys hired to replace me. But I am genuinely going to miss this, like, so, so much. The point where, like, I know when I was going to the next, the, ne the place I'm going next, like I said, I was like, is there any chance you absorb Can't Wait? Like, is there, if you can't absorb Can't Wait, is there any chance you just hire Tim and Marissa and just bring them with me? And we do, like, Can't Wait to elsewhere because I, I am... I, I know, you know I've been rambling and people are going to go crazy. Look, just skip to the the 10 minute mark to, to <laughs> you know, get past the swan song farewell. But, you know, I'm I, from a leaving the athletic perspective. I I've loved working here, but I can't wait for this next venture because it literally is a dream opportunity. But leaving the can't wait is killing me, like leaving this podcast, leaving these fans, having this avenue to talk jets every single week through the highs and the lows is, is going to kill me because I really do love this. Like, this is the one part where I know it's like, sometimes it's a, it's a, you know what, trying to figure out a time like today, like when we can record, but as soon as the camera goes on, as soon as the mic goes on, this hour flies by because the, I think the chemistry that the three of us have on air is, is unmatched. I think it's what makes this podcast special. And, and I hope you guys can replace it. Although secretly, I, I know it's never going to be the same. 
It's never going to be the same without, it, without the Connor, three of us. There is, there is no replacing you. And I will say <laughs> a lot of the success of this show is a huge credit to everything you've put into it. All Thank of your you. crazy ideas that at times I was like, which what you have heck? tried, you've had to put together. They're just my Does brainchild. He, I don't have to do anything after I think. Yeah. I will never forget the first live stream when you're like, okay, yeah. So here's a Google link and this is what I want to do. And can you figure it out? And I was like, why can't he be like all my other hosts that just want to record a normal audio podcast? Send it on it's in. the middle of the pandemic. Like yeah. what, you know, what is he doing? But I will say this show on YouTube has grown drastically and it is a huge credit to you and all the effort you put in. And I know that Jets fans will be happy with this next move for you and be excited yeah, that's, for this next move. I didn't move say for that. You. So that's so we'll just I, we'll just put it at that. We won't give well, any let more me, spoilers. Let me make this clear. I, wait, Can I, I will, make this a little clearer. Okay. Because like apparently like when I said when I wrote like my farewell thing, I spent a lot of time on that. When I said like jet fans, comma, I'm not going far. I thought I was like kind of obvious. Like I'm still going to be heavily involved in Jets coverage. Like very, very heavily involved in Jets coverage. And then like when I saw my mentions and started listening, it was like Oh my God, we're losing Connor. Oh my God, Connor's gone. Oh my God, best like DJ is actually leaving. Like DJ is going to another team, another market. Great for him. Like he's like what he's when he announces what he's doing. Absolutely, how to that kid's a freaking star on the rise, and you're gonna see him grow and grow and grow. And where he's gonna be in four years is nowhere where he is now. I mean, that kid is an absolute star. I'm so lucky to call him a friend, but he is going like to a, another beat leaving. I'm not leaving New York. Like I'm, I'm not leaving New York. I'm not leaving this market. Jet fans, I'm still going to be very, very heavily involved in the coverage of this team, visually, audio, still writing some. I'm just expanding what I'm doing. I'm not just going to be doing the Jets. And I think that's what I'm super excited about. But all those who, this is probably a good and bad thing. For those of you who hate me, like I saw some bean guy was like, screw you, get off the beat, go cover golf. Like spoiler alert, dude, I ain't going nowhere. Like I'm staying around. So screw you. I'm still going to be here. So for those people, I hate to tell you, for those of you who have enjoyed my coverage over the years and those of you who like, I cannot say how much it means and how awesome it was to see all the people that were like, oh my God, you're my favorite beat writer. Oh my God, please don't leave. Please don't leave. Please don't leave. I cannot tell you how much that has meant to me and how unbelievable that has been to read it. And I haven't been able to respond to every one of them. That's not a humble brag, but I have been able to see and read every single one of them. Thank you all. Like, so so much because that means the absolute world to me and for you guys i can tell you i am not going far i am still going to be heavily involved in jets coverage maybe not every single day but a lot of the days i'm going to be involved in jets coverage and i can't wait to get the green light to tell you where i'm going what i'm going to be doing next but it's not the athletic i'm going to be writing for unfortunately i'm i'm not going to be on, involved in the can't wait podcast like so we'll be back as guest appearances but i'm going to make sure you book me for that but i will be heavily involved in jets coverage and still be covering the jets in some capacity so i i hope that that makes some of you guys that were oh my god where are you going next please don't leave please don't leave i hope that eases you know some of the some of the minds so you guys know that i i'm not i'm not going far that i that i am going to be heavily heavily involved in jets coverage moving forward just not here yeah i've very much enjoyed the theories on what your next step is is mm -hmm. including um the golf channel I'm sure you yeah. would really love that, that bean but... guy. That bean guy that pissed me off. And I was, I, I had like seven different responses typed out. Dude runs some like slap, you know, what podcast. And he was like, yeah, screw the one thing. Like I, you want to go back to everything I've broken, every story I've gotten and nailed. And he's like, this is why it's great. Connor's leaving. Screw you. Have luck. Good fun. Covering golf. Like, bro, you would kill to have my job. You would absolutely kill to have this job or the one I'm going to or everything like that. And that just made me crack up so much. I was like, you know what? 
no point in giving this guy the time of day. Let him go run his, you know what, with with the you know two hundred people that read it and whatever, and and be gone. Like, and my favorite thing, this guy follows me, so that's the best part. It's like you know whatever, but um, no, like to to everyone, I'm sorry to the people who hate me that I am going to be sticking around in in a, in a pretty large capacity. But uh, for those of you that were like, oh my god, I'm I hope you don't leave. I'm not. I'm I'm really not. I'm still going to be heavily involved in the coverage. Yeah. So let's let's kick off um this coverage with some questions that you got on Twitter. Yeah. And I, I put them all on a spreadsheet and I, I can't believe this one's first because I feel like we're starting on a negative note, but we're going to go in order of what I have. So let's start off with this question from Christopher O'Malley. He said, if the Jets have a slow start, 0-5, and Wilson struggles, would Sala and Douglas move Flacco or White to salvage the season? Or is it Wilson no matter what? Yeah, so that's the crazy. I saw that question. So I did a mailbag that's coming on Friday, and this is one of the questions I took and 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 wrote about, which you guys can read tomorrow or or recording on Thursday. That's why I said tomorrow. But you know, whenever you're listening to this, it's up on the Athletic too. Um, that is so the worst of all worst of all worst of all worst worst case scenarios. I mean, that is that is doomsday in New York. If if the Jets are in a position where they are thinking about benching Zach Wilson after five games because they are winless. That is just don't even just you don't don't think about that right now. Like like I this franchise has been so so starved for success for so long, and I I if that is the reality that the Jets end up facing after five six games, I will so feel so so bad for this fan base. I really will now. I, mean, I will just say this. a reminder, first five games, Ravens, Browns, Bengals, Steelers, Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. Like, I mean, it, there's a very real chance they're on five. There's a very real chance they're one and eight, you know, going into that that game against the Bills or one and nine going into the bye week. I mean, that's that's very, very, real, very, very possible. Now, the Jets are going to give and stick with Zach Wilson as long as humanly possible because very, very few regimes – survive the failure of a player drafted top three. Like if you draft a player top three, a quarterback, draft a quarterback top three, quarterback top five, and that quarterback fails. And in this hypothetical scenario, fails so dramatically that you're giving up on him after one year and five games, there are serious problems both at the coaching standpoint and the talent evaluation standpoint and and the, and the standpoint of who's actually pulling the trigger. So that's like a uh the Jets are going to do everything they can to prove that Zach Wilson is at least competent. Now, I don't think five games you will be having that discussion. Fan-wise, maybe if the Jets are 0 and 5, media-wise, maybe if you're 0 and 5, but I don't believe anybody inside the Jets building is going to be realistically having that discussion after five or six weeks. Now, what I will say is there is no person on this roster, quarterback included, that is guaranteed to start 17 games. So if we're sticking with this doomsday scenario, if we're sticking with this worst of all worst case scenario, right? The where this conversation starts and where the Jets, I believe, begin to consider a potential change would be if they are one and eight, one and nine, one and ten, and Zach Wilson is just looking like a complete and total disaster and is running around out there like a chicken with his head cut off and has just shown no signs of improvement at all and is among the biggest reasons why the Jets are one and eight, one and nine, one and ten. 
if that situation comes to fruition, and again, please, Jet fans, don't think about it after you start listening to this. In fact, I would like on that little YouTube button where you can skip ahead 15 seconds if you're watching <laughs> this back on replay, press it because I really, I want you guys to be successful so bad. Please don't think like this. But if you do get to that point and you're one and eight, one and nine, one and 10, this entire building is going to go into survival mode, right? Because like I said, very few regimes survive a complete and total disaster to survive the complete and total disaster. It would be if the Jets are ready to move on from Zach Wilson after one and a half seasons, right? If they want to bench Zach Wilson, after very few regimes survive that. So what Joe Douglas and Robert Sala would have to do is they would have to come together and almost say like, you know what? Screw Zach Wilson. We got to save our own asses because Woody Johnson has no ties to Joe Douglas. He has very few ties to Robert Sala. So if this team is one and eight, one and nine after four wins and two wins, he's going to be thinking clean slate, fire everybody. Let's start from scratch. New GM will have a ton of money. We'll have a ton of draft picks. We've still got some good players that we feel we've drafted. But we're starting from scratch in order for Joe Douglas and Robert Sala to save their own asses in this doomsday scenario. They need to show that it is not the roster around Zach Wilson. It is not the scheme that the coaching staff is deploying that the problem. They'll need to show that it is Zach Wilson who is the problem. And if that's the case, you're going to have them turn to somebody like Joe Flacco, the veteran, and hope that Joe Flacco stabilizes the situation. The Jets go on a run the second half of that year, and they start one and eight. But if they can finish the season three, four games, five games over 500 with Joe Flacco, you can have Robert Sala make the argument to Woody Johnson saying, no, look, coaching, offensive staff, defensive staff, they're not the problem. We just had a quarterback problem. Robert Sala can say, look, look at, or Joe Douglas can say, look, we won all of these games with all of the players I've drafted. Once we switched the quarterback, it's a quarterback problem. I'm sorry. I messed up. I messed up Zach Wilson, but look, look how much Sam Darnold stinks. Like that was our other option. So we actually made the, you know, the, the best of, of two bad scenarios. We'll go get the veteran quarterback. We'll go trade for Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason. We'll stabilize it. We can win. Robert Sala was on a staff that won with Jimmy. We can win with Jimmy. Let's do it next offseason. Let's go get Baker maybe if he plays well in Carolina, but somehow shakes free. Let's go do this. Like, let's go, let's go out a veteran. We'll be fine. It'll be all about if they're one and nine, one and ten, saving asses. And to save asses, you got to prove that there's one problem. You got to shift the blame to say, this is why we're losing. It's not the roster around Zach. It's not the scheme he's deploying. It is Zach. That's the problem. But again, you don't want to spend time thinking about that. That is worst of all, worst of all, worst of all, worst case scenarios. Do not let that pollute your brain. Focus on Zach Wilson taking the next step. Focus on these young players taking that next step. And focus on the Jets starting to turn that corner. Not playoffs, but reaching a point where they are legitimately a competent organization and ascending team and a team that you can say 2023 they can make the playoffs. Well, a lot of success for Zach Wilson this year might depend on Makai Becton. So we've got a yeah. lot of questions about him. This question comes from Michael, who I believe is currently in the chat, Michael Orlick. Lots of rumors that the Jets are fed up with Becton. Any truth? And what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I, I yeah, I mean, I think that I thought we like discussed that. I mean, that's my favorite. Like, I see the mentions all the time. Like, oh, look at this workout video that we've shown, Connor. Like, you're lying. Like, how, why do you hate <laughs> Makai Becton? Why are you picking on Makai Becton? Like, no, like. What Dan Graziano said is what what all of us inside the Jets building have said, like, or all of us that covered, not inside the Jets building, all of us that cover the Jets have said since minicamp. He reported out of shape and overweight. And, and the Jets talked to him over and over and over again about, we want you to be in shape. We want you to be in shape. We want you to be in shape. Robert Sala came out of the senior bowl and said, he's not the left tackle. He has to earn that job back. He has to show he's dedicated and, and wants it. And 
you know, he stayed away from the team throughout the entire voluntary program, obviously for, for the birth of his baby. But when he came back from that birth, when he came back from minicamp, he was pushing 400 pounds again. And, and that was not what the Jets wanted to see. That's not what the Jets hoped to see. And for them, they are sitting there and they're saying, like, what else can we do? What else can we say to motivate this guy? And the fact is, is that there's nothing else they can say. There's nothing else they can do. Makai Becton has to want it. And he can post videos and his and Duke can post videos and people can post videos all the time. But at the end of the day, it's what happens when he steps on the building. So all those videos that he posted before he showed up, he still showed up out of shape. So like you hope that during training camp, he shows up to train because he does have all of the potential in the world. He is one of the most talented players on that roster, but you'll never see that talent unless he can stay on the field. And he's not staying on the field because he's out of shape and he's overweight. So the Jets have done everything they can to get him to a point where he needs to learn that. So now it's just about training camp. It's about report day. It's about July 24th or 25th, wherever the Jets report and seeing what shape Mekhi Becton's in. You hope, fingers crossed, that he shows up in shape and ready to play and then the Jets take off and they've got a good player in George Fant and a potentially all-world player Mekhi Becton. But at this point, there's so much more saying that's not going to happen than was is going to happen. And the front office wants to stick with him because the front office is the front office that drafted him two years ago. The coaching staff does not have any ties. The coaching staff, I, I, I find it hard to believe, honestly, that that Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur would have drafted Makai Becton. I think they would have drafted Wirfs if they were the coaching staff and it wasn't Adam Gase's staff. I think that they probably would have drafted Wirfs. So he's not their guy. He needs to prove to them that he is their guy or he's going to fall out of favor the same as Denzel Mims did. So the frustration that Dan talked about, yeah, it's real. We've talked about it too. We've been saying it. Fans just haven't wanted to believe it. When we've said it on this podcast, in writing, not just me, Costello, Rich, everybody, DJ, all of us have said the exact same thing because we all talk to the same people within the building. And so whether you want to believe it or don't want to believe it, that's on you. But this is the current situation for the Jets. And the hope and they pray is that Makai shows up to training camp in shape and ready to go. But to this point, he has not. And that was certainly the case at minicamp when he showed up out of shape. And showing up at minicamp out of shape basically made the coaches throw their hands up in the air and be like, what else can we do? What else is there for us to do? What else can we say to this guy to motivate him and turn it around? And the answer is that they don't know. They do not know what else they can say. They just hope that eventually something clicks for them. So kind of along the same lines of that, do you see Joe Douglas bringing in any offensive tackle help or any other potential free agent signings ahead of camp? That's the thing is like, I mean, no, I mean, look, they've got offers out there like, like Riley reef and Quan and stuff like that. It's just whether these guys want to go play, but if look, Riley reef is not Morgan Moses. Like the fact that the jets were able to find Morgan Moses as late as they were. I mean, that was a, a, a odd, unnormal, unorthodox situation that a legit, not only just a starting offensive tackle, but a very good starting offensive tackle shook free when he did and the jets were able to get him at such a bargain price on June 25th. And it was because, you know, he had his issues with Washington and, and Washington, which isn't obviously always the, the most you know well-oiled machine, let him go when they did. And, and then eventually it was after free agency. So that a lot of the, the holes were already filled and after drafts, so a lot of the holes were already filled. And then the jets were able to go in there and say like, all right, let's get this guy. Let's bring this guy aboard. Riley reef is not Morgan Moses. Cause Riley reef isn't very good at football. I mean, he's, he's not, he's, he's like, I would say he's a competent backup offensive tackle, but he's not Morgan Moses. I mean, the Jets were able to get a bona fide, no doubt, starting offensive tackle on June 25th. Those don't usually exist because offensive tackles are among the hardest positions to find, right? So 
Yeah, technically the Jets could still sign Riley Reef. I think they should sign Riley Reef because right now you're one injury away from having Max Mitchell, Connor McDermott, or Chuma Adaga start at offensive tackle. And any of those three situations, because Max is more of a developmental guy right now, any of those three situations is going to be disastrous for your young quarterback because none of Chuma is not good. Connor McDermott is not good. At least Riley Reef is is somewhat capable or somewhat competent. But it's it's a it's a it's a a tough situation. And again, it's, it's, it goes back to what the jets should have done at four and what the jets should have done with their two first round picks, or you can even go into the second round because we were saying over and over and over again, that one of the reasons why Icky sounded so good is that you could at least get something to stabilize. You knew what you were kind of getting with them. They rolled the dice with Makai and the rolling of the dice with Makai is a little concerning now because he showed up to mini camp overweight, which makes you say, Oh my God, is he at least going to show up to training camp over under uh, in shape? And then if he shows up at training camp, can he at least stay? Like, there's so many questions. And not only are there so many questions with Makai, there's nothing behind him. And I don't think Riley Reef solves that problem because I don't think he's as good as Morgan Moses was. I know Chuma doesn't solve it. And I know Connor McDermott doesn't solve it. Solve it. And unless Max Mitchell is some kind of like phenom that just picks up the game, I I, I don't know. So veteran sign replacing, I, I, I don't see them. As far as from Quan Alexander, who I think could be a very good serviceable veteran at this point, it's just for him, does he want to play for a contender or not? I don't see the tackle position specifically with Reef. I don't see anybody out there that is going to come in and just be like the starter. Like, you're good. You're good there. You're going to go get him. Like, I don't see that player. I don't see Morgan Moses out there. I don't. All right. Well, you mentioned him earlier, and it wouldn't be a can't wait episode without a mention of Mr. Denzel Mims. So this question is from Harrison Meyer. Does Mims realistically make the roster over Jeff Smith or do we trade him before the season? So here's my thing with Denzel. Denzel Mims is right now fighting to be the Jets' number five receiver because the four are taken, right? Unless you want to, I guess you can say the 4.5 receiver because if you want to say Braxton only plays the slot, which is true. But but ahead of him and ahead of him and in, in, in a way that is not going to change is Corey Davis, is Garrett Wilson, is Elijah Moore. Those three are ahead of him. And then obviously you loop in Braxton Berrios because he's going to be guaranteed a roster spot. So that fifth position is right now a competition between Jeff Smith and Denzel Mims. And Jeff Smith, throughout the offseason program, OTAs and minicamp, they were the ones that, or he was the one that took the reps over him. Like, he, like Jeff Smith worked ahead of Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims showed up in shape. He made a hell of a catch down the right sideline, which was impressive. And, and you hope that he reaches his potential. But even if he has a hell of an off, even if he has a hell of a training camp and he makes this team, he's still only going to be the fifth guy. You know what I mean? He's still only going to be the fourth guy where he checks in. Because again, if you want to put him on the field, that means you got to take Elijah, Corey Davis, or Garrett Wilson off. And that's not going to happen. Or you got to take the two tight ends off and CJ and, and Jack. Like you got to take those guys off and you're not going to do that. So what are you keeping him for? You know what I mean? Like, like that's his ceiling is like, he's going to be this team's fourth, maybe fifth receiver. That's what he is. And if he's going to be the fourth or fifth receiver, he has to be able to play special teams. And he hasn't shown that he can return punts, which he does it. He's not a very good gunner on punt on the punt or kick team. So if he's not a very good gunner on punt or kick team, and he's not very good on the, um, he obviously has no value as a returner. He's going to be your fit. I mean, Jeff Smith brings you more in those special team areas. So where is the fit for him? Are you going to keep him as your, as your fifth guy, but then keep him inactive unless something happens to Corey Davis or one of those guys. And then he can step in. And he's going to be inactive. Like, I don't think that's something that Denzel would want. Like Denzel wants to play. 
So I don't think Denzel wants to stay on the roster to be the fifth guy and maybe see three to five offensive snaps a game. I don't think that's the case. So ultimately what I think is going to end up happening with Denzel is that training camp is going to wind down. The Jets hope that he has an unbelievable camp and they can boast about how good he's looking and he has a really good preseason and they can talk about how good he's looking. And then after that, they'll be able to find somebody who's going to give them a fourth round pick like they did with Chris Herndon. Now, Chris Herndon's still kind of an anomaly. They were able to get that for him, but they'll be able to get some kind of a fourth round pick for Denzel Mims and trade him. And then they'll use that fourth round pick to round out the roster because while Denzel did show promise and show some flashes during OTAs and minicamp and the Jets did talk about how great a shape he's in, I just, it's like that puzzle piece, right? You're like trying to figure out where it goes. And considering the other players at receiver, I don't know where Denzel Mims goes in any position that sees him playing more than five, three to five offensive snaps a game. I don't see anywhere else that that goes. And I don't think Denzel Mims wants to do that. He wants to be at a place where he's going to play and contribute and fight to be on the field 20 to 25 snaps a game. And I just don't see that happening with New York, not after the Garrett Wilson signing. So ultimately, I, I think that's probably going to be a... um I think that's ultimately probably going to be a, a spot where he uh, he moves on. And I think the Jets end up looking to, to deal him deal him during at some point uh, once his stock is highest. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we still have a lot more questions to get to, and I actually really like this question. This one comes from Nathan. What signs will you be looking for out of training camp that might help you better predict how the season will go? So let's say some positive signs and some negative signs. Positive signs and negative signs that the season's going the way that they... That, so that's... Any positive signs in camp that you're like, hey, this actually, this season could turn out all right, or some some things in camp that you see early on that you're like, oh no, this is not going to go well for the Jets. Yeah, so here's the big one, is that the one thing you never want to see is the extremes. So you never want to see the offense putting up 10 touchdowns of practice against the defense. You never want to see the defense kicking the offenses, you know what, throughout you know the entire day, every single day. You know, because... At that point, you don't really know. Like, it's it's tough to divulge that. Like, is the offense really, really good, or is the defense really, really bad, or is the defense really, really good and the offense are really, like you don't really know. So, what you want to see is like consistently competitive practices day in and day out. Where like you know, there's gonna be a couple plays where the offense gets the defense, but then the defense bounces back and the defense gets the offense. You know, maybe there's a big touchdown let up where where Garrett Wilson. Uh, gets behind DJ Reed because the safety came down. But on the next play, the defense makes a huge stop on the offense. Like you want to see these two guys or these two sides of the ball just going toe-to-toe, head-to-head, a true battle between basically Jeff Ulbrich 
and Mike LaFleur day in and day out. That's what you want to see. You want to see the young guys get better every single day. You know what I mean? Like you want to see Garrett Wilson be better on Tuesday than he was on Monday and better on Wednesday than he was on Tuesday. And maybe Thursday's a step back, but then Friday's the best of the bunch. You want to see the young guys getting better and the, and the team just together moving forward. And I think if you have that, along with watching a quarterback that looks in control, that looks calm, that looks effective, that looks decisive, that makes plays and avoids the turnover. If you see those things, you can kind of start to say, you know what? Jets might have something here. And I'm not saying playoffs because I don't think, I don't think much can happen this year that leads the Jets to the playoffs. But seeing that throughout the course of the summer is when you'll be saying, all right, there might be something here. There, there, there might be something here where Zach starting to look the part. The offensive of the whole starting to look the part. The defense looking the part. Now go play somebody else. Now go hit somebody else. That's what you want to see. Awesome. That was a good question from Nathan. All right. This one is from Gokan. I'm sorry if I butchered that name. I really, I looked it up and everything, but sorry about that. Okay. When camp opens, who do you think will be a rising star that fans should watch? Yeah. So I've, I've gone back and forth on, um, on this one. In fact, I, I think the the question I went, I, I was, I had Bryce Huff. I answered this one in the podcast as well. I, or on the written, the written mailbag as well. Um, Bryce Huff was a guy that I wrote down. Um, Quinn and Williams was a guy that I wrote down as well. Um, I know he's probably would be the cop out because he's one of the Jets most talented players, but I think you're really going to see that guy elevate and break out this year because assuming the rest of the defensive line stays healthy, because you really can't now just single him out. You really can't just say like uh, focus on Quinnen because you got Carl to worry about. You got uh, everyone else. I mean, John Franklin Myers to worry about. Sheldon Rankins is a good pass rusher inside. They added uh, Jermaine Johnson. They added Michael Clemens. Bryce Huff is obviously healthy now. So like, you know, it's going to take attention away from Quinnen Williams. I think you'll see Quinnen Williams break out as a result. So he was one of the ones, but the guy that actually went within the mailbag was Garrett Wilson. And, and the reason for that is that, you saw him in OTAs and minicamp really not struggling, but swimming. You could tell that he was out there thinking on every single rep. You know, he this was a, a guy that didn't really know what he was supposed to do or kind of knew what he was supposed to do and was trying to figure out as he went. And because he was trying to figure out what, he wasn't playing and you weren't seeing Garrett Wilson, you know, it was basically like the Ferrari that's stuck in, in, in bumper to bumper traffic. And it goes a little bit and then it stops and it goes a little bit and it stops. And maybe he stops a bit to create a gap, but then eventually he's got to step the foot on the brake again. I think that Garrett Wilson is from a talent perspective, the most physically gifted receiver the jets have the way that he's able to contort his body to make 50, 50 grabs, the speed, the athleticism, the, the route running, his hands, I, the ability to take the top off the defense, his ability to locate the high balls, the, the ability to get deep, because getting deep is more than just running straight, obviously, as we've learned with Denzel Mims. Like, you've got it. There's an art to getting deep and behind the defense. There's more physical talent with him, within him, than even Elijah Moore. And, and I don't say that lightly because I think Elijah Moore is an all-world all player, or Elijah Moore is an all-world player. We didn't even get to see a smidget of that in OTAs and minicamp because of why he was thinking. I don't know if there's another player on the Jets roster who's going to benefit more from this six-week break and being able to step back from practices, assess what happened, um, evaluate what happened, uh, like throughout OTAs and minicamp, refresh on what happened for minicamp, 
take a break, breathe, and then go back to training camp and hit the ground running. Because the first one, two weeks of training camp is a refresher. It's reinstalling again. I think you will see Garrett Wilson, maybe not the first week of camp, but by the second week, the third week, the fourth week, I think you'll see a player that just starts to really, really come into his own. Now, the one thing that can hold that back is if he gets hurt and comes off the field because that's going to stunt and cause some regression. If he's not able to play in the preseason games, that's going to stunt and cause some regression. It's why you saw Elijah Moore just absolutely dominate practices, get hurt, miss those preseason games, and it kind of took him till weeks four, five, six to really find his groove again. As long as Garrett Wilson stays on the field and practices and plays in those preseason games, I genuinely do believe that you are going to see Wilson just blow up. And it's not going to be long before we're looking at these three Jets receivers, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and turning to each other and saying, like, how the hell did the Jets get these guys? Like, how the hell did the Jets are the Jets actually an offense with like not just a weapon, but weapons plural? How the hell is that gonna happen? So um I, I do genuinely believe like like he's the guy I think you'll see. I know it's kind of probably corny to take like the or 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 you know, a cop out to take the the number 10 pick in the draft. But that's that's truly what I believe. Like, I, I genuinely believe that Garrett Wilson's going to be the, the star training camp when all is said and done. So we talked a little about a little bit about Quan Alexander earlier in the podcast and potentially adding depth there. How do you see the linebacker core shaking out? I think it's just is what it is at this point. I mean, it's it's I think they're fine if everyone stays healthy. You got that CJ CJ Mosley is obviously a stud. Quincy Williams is is a guy that the Jets believe has has legitimate Pro Bowl potential and is going to be so much better this year now that he has a better understanding of Robert Sala's defense. I mean, I, I do genuinely see that. I think that is that's your that's your two guys. And and with how often NFL teams pass the ball, you're really in your nickel position, your nickel package more than you are your base defense. So you only got two linebackers on the field anyway. And and if uh, Ashton Davis develops or Pinnock develops. I mean, the Jets can even, you know, run a lot of three safety packages to replace that third linebacker that would be on the field. So as long as everyone stays healthy and as long as everyone is healthy, I think you're going to be fine at linebacker. The problem is if Quincy goes down, the problem is if CJ goes down because you got like Delshawn Phillips behind them and you got, um, uh, 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 Sherwood behind them and Hamza behind them. And, and I just don't, I don't know. I mean, that, that's the Jets do like Hamza and Sherwood and their potential. They drafted him for a reason, and and you know they love Sherwood's ability to communicate. I know that's something that the defensive staff highlights all the time, but that's personally where I see a oh boy, is if somebody goes down. But as long as Quincy remains healthy and as long as CJ remains healthy, I think the Jets can be fine at linebacker. I really do. All right, we got two questions left. This one is from Lift Off Jets. Who is a surprise cut or trade before the season starts? So we talked about potentially a Mims trade and everyone's been talking about that for a long time, but who would be someone that you would be caught off guard that they traded or cut? Um, I don't know if I'd be caught off guard, but the one I'd, I'd keep an eye on might be Bryce Hall. Um, and the, the reason that I say that is just that, I mean, look, the Jets can keep him and, and they'll be great. I mean, that, that guy is, I think, a. uh, uh, a number three corner uh, who's who's when he's really on potentially a low level number two corner. But if he's your backup, I mean, you're 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 in pretty damn good shape. You know what I mean? Like you're you're in really, really good shape if that that's your guy there. Um, so I, I think he's somebody that the Jets might end up looking at their current corners position and seeing say say Isaiah Dunn has like a hell of a training camp and say Brandon Eccles has a really good training camp and you're looking at your your corner situation and saying like, okay, we've got DJ Reed. He's our starter. We've got sauce Gardner. Obviously he's our starter. Mike Carter. He's in the nickel. 
Then we got Javelin Gidry to back up Michael. And we've got Brandon Eccles, who looks real uh, significantly improved. And we've got Isaiah Dunn, who looks significantly improved. Do we really need Bryce Hall or can we float him? Because corner is one of the most um, coveted positions in the league, right? So if you have another team that says like, hey, we'll give you a fifth for Bryce Hall. Or maybe, look, again, I always say this because like we talk about this in the media room. Like, no way the Jets get this. Once the Jets got a fourth round pick for Chris Herndon, all bets were off the table. Now suddenly I think anybody is worth a fourth round pick. I think the Jets can flip Mike White for a fourth round pick if they're able to get a fourth round pick for Chris Herndon. So say a team calls and says like, you know what, look, you don't need Bryce Hall. He's not going to play for you unless somebody gets hurt. And if somebody does get hurt, you're fine with Brandon Eccles and Isaiah Dunn. We'll give you a fourth round pick for Hall. I would probably do that. So he would be the one that I would say, like, keep an eye on that. But if Eccles doesn't develop as hoped or, or Dunn doesn't develop as hoped, you know, the Jets are going to keep him because obviously they don't want to have injuries happen and then they'd be screwed at the corner position. But he would be one I, I would keep an eye on him. And, and Justin Hardy, I could see obviously getting cut. I know he's a fan favorite because of what he's like on social media. I know that he um he's he was a captain last year, but that um that contract obviously is is one that I don't think the Jets are going to keep around for a guy that only plays special teams. So he's another one I could see getting cut. All right, this final question is from definitely not Dylan on Twitter, hmm. and I thought this was a good way to end. What is your favorite interaction that you've had with any member of the Jets organization, player, coach, front office? Gonna miss the pod. I think my favorite. It's a, it's. It's a shame because this is the one that comes to mind immediately. And I, I've had a ton of really, really good ones with um, Robert. I had a ton of them with with Adam. Adam Gase was great. Um, uh, it's a shame. He's the one I always say. Like, it's it's a shame what what the guy over at the Daily News created in, in those press conferences because it really did ruin the opportunity for fans to see Adam Gase's personality. I, I really think that if if that media room was then what it is now fans would have such a completely different opinion of adam than what they did now was he a great head coach no did he deserve to get fired probably um but i think fans wouldn't view him as like this vile despicable human like they do if they're able to see him as as the media saw him day in and day out um but the one interaction that that i will always remember and it's it's a shame that like it it turned out this way. And, and I, I will say like, I didn't get a chance to know Rex as well as, as other people, because of when I joined the beat in 14, I didn't really get a chance to know Todd as well as some others on the beat, just because I was um, still part-time because I was in college, you know what I mean? So I, I didn't get a chance to know him that well, although over the years I've gotten to know Todd better. And, and he's always, you know, greeted me with a huge smile and Connor anytime I see him at the combine and stuff like that. So, but the one that that it's again, it's it's really a shame that this player didn't turn out to be good. But it was it was Mike McCagan at the NFL owners meetings. And I remember sitting talking with him. You know, we were in Arizona. And I, I just remember just a really casual conversation. And he was finally at ease and not like media trained and all that stuff. And and I remember he looked at me and and he said, I don't know how long I'm gonna be here. I don't know what the future holds, but the one thing I'll always be able to say is that I drafted the Jets, their next franchise quarterback. And he was talking about Sam Darnold. And Mike was obviously hellbent in his belief that Sam was the guy. He was hellbent in his belief Sam was the guy after that first year. And, and obviously it didn't turn out that way or come out that way. Um, but I always will remember that. Like that that was like a general manager just letting his guard down and saying, like, man. I finally did it. Like same, like he hated when you would say same old jets or write same old jets. And he's like, you know what? I finally got the jets 
their next franchise quarterback. And, you know, I guess that the sad truth of McCagnan was that like, he really believed everything he was doing was the right moves. And just none of them really turned out to be the right move because obviously Sam is now benched for, you know, Marissa's boy, Michael or uh, Michael Dunn, Marissa's boy, uh, Baker Mayfield. So, you know, that's obviously a, 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 a shameful one to, to, to go out on, but that's something I'll always, always remember. I mean, memories of the team, there's tons. I mean, I remember them beating the Patriots in week 16 and in 2015, where you're like, Oh my God, they have it. Uh, the, the Sam mono, when we found out Sam had mono was obviously on the flip side of that, where it was like, Oh my God, that's crazy. Um, obviously when Gina and that was pre pandemic, that one was so crazy. Yeah. The mono was pre pandemic. So yeah, like, really? Oh. Yeah. I mean, maybe that was, maybe it was, yeah, yeah, really. And then the one, the one craziest thing I think I will, I will always remember. And if I ever write a book and, and Samini's book will be so much better than mine because he obviously predates me by like 35 years, but as long as I stick around like the Jets, I kind of want to like someday write a book. I think that'd be like another dream is like to write a book on on my career covering the Jets, uh, depending on how long I cover them for. Um, but I think the one thing that that the craziest, maybe the crazy, and it is this to me, I, I I go back and forth on this like craziest moment from from covering this team over the years. There's obviously Sam getting mono, which is crazy. Ik getting punched, which is crazy. But I think the one that that is right up there with those two was during the COVID year, 2020, when there was no preseason games and they weren't allowed to have joint practices. Every team had an internal scrimmage. And I see in the comment section now, somebody said favorite can't wait podcast moment memory. That's coming on our next episode. We're doing a whole wrap up, you know, can't wait with us three together. So we're going to, I'm not answering that now. We're going to talk about that um, later on because I know Tim's been working on that and there's a ton more. Um, but I think the one that's like to this day, it's crazy. It's, I don't want to end on a bad note, but it, it is pretty wild. Um, that it's always like, geez, that really did happen. Was that COVID year when teams had to stow, they did a bunch of in intra squad scrimmages and they scrimmaged with each other and the jets backups, their backup offense and their backup defense beat their starting offense, like 28 or 29 to nothing. <laughs> like the backups, not only won the scrimmage. Hey, lots they, of love they for they the backups. Their ass. Okay. Lots the of love start. For the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Their starters didn't score. I remember that was when like Ashton Davis had a pick six on Sam Darnold. And like, I remember watching it. It, it was like David fails was the starting quarterback. And I like uh, uh, James Morgan, I think was there in 2020. I mean, it was just like, we're, we're all watching and we're like, you know, the first time when the backup scored, it was funny. Cause it was like, Oh my God, the backup scored against the starters. But then it was like a stop and a score and a stop and a score. And I remember talking to Adam Gase after it and him being like, yeah, we need to talk to these guys about it, get a sense of urgent sense of urgency. It was like, yeah, no shit, man. You do need a sense of urgency. Like the backups just won like 30 to nothing to the starters. Like the backups beat your starters 30 to nothing. So that's up there with the craziest things I've ever seen. And I, I, I honestly, I'll be honest. I don't think I will ever see that again. As long as I do this, I don't think I'll ever see that again. Uh, I think for Jets fans sake, let's hope not. Let's hope yeah. the future is it's bright. Yeah. And we're going to bring positive vibes into this training camp. Yes. Well, like Connor said, we will have one more episode of the Can't Wait podcast where we will recap all of our memories and all uh, walk down memory lane, but we will also have a mega preview for training camp because Connor's leaving, but we're still going to talk jets and talk training camp. So yes. position battles, and everything like that. So that will be the week of July 18th. We'll have one final episode and look ahead to camp and say goodbye to Connor. So thank you all. Sad. For sad. I'm going to cry now. <laughs> we have one more, one more episode, Connor, you can hold the tears. And you could maybe, you know, like turn the fish tank on. We can make it like a whole big thing. 
maybe we add some okay, lights. Take it. you guys in. I'll, I'll I'll get the GoPro out because I think I can live stream it. I'll just dunk you in the fish tank and show Perfect. you. Perfect. Have, have you guys meet the fish that. who have been in every podcast episode ever? <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you all for tuning in on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We will be back for one final episode the week of July 18th. Enjoy your summer, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.